You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. This is Live from the Table, the official podcast of New York's world-famous comedy seller, coming at you on Sirius XM, Rod Dog 99, and on the Ridecast Podcast Network, Dan Natterman, co-host of Live from the Table, here with Noam Dorman, the owner of the world-famous comedy club. we got Doug Davidoff joining us tonight. It's all happening. A secret location in the Garden State, New Jersey, Periel Ashenbrand, the producer as well as sounding board and female point of view desperately needed. Lightning rod. As well, and if you're not listening to Live from the Table, then you are not where the action is in the podcasting world. So much going on this week. Uh, Let's start with uh, the fat black pussycat gnome. I was there just last night. Bored out of my skull, I went downtown to see if anybody was hanging out at the Comedy Cellar Olive Tree. And as I passed by the fat black pussycat, I noticed there were tables outside and Steve King was sitting there, the bouncer. And apparently you guys have now outdoor drinking and dining at the fat black pussycat. And you didn't have it this entire time. You just started it this week. I want an explanation. Why so long before outdoor drinking and dining at the fat black? Cause we're getting ready for, for next week when they're gonna allow uh, indoor uh, dining. Right. So we're just getting the place back up and running a week early. Well, why didn't you have it all this time uh, throughout the summer? Because we wouldn't have, wouldn't, have been, wouldn't have done any business. Okay, the quick answer to a rather long... Well, time. or at least not enough business to offset the cost of opening. So if you're not really doing a lot of food service in a bar-type environment, it, you know, yeah, we're, we're, he's got a good point. He's got a business to run. The rule was that you have to have food. You can't just open as a bar. And, um, you know, the Pussycat's not really known as a restaurant. And on top of that... Third Street is a crappy street to sit outdoors, as opposed to McDougal Street, which is more pleasant. So, having said all that, but well, you, know, you have to cut, you have to cut off by eleven o'clock, right? Which which diminishes the amount of time you can sell drinks, even if you were allowed to in the first place. Yeah, you know, this is. I'm not proud of what I'm about to say, but I'm so depressed and detached. I don't even really know what the rules are. I just. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, the the um. The, the amount of money that these yeah. experts are chasing compared to the amount of money we need to even right for, you know consider breaking even is by right. orders of you know i don't know ten tens of thousands i mean it's just like no it's like we're chasing you know we have a night at daniel tree where we take in like 225 dollars or something you know right. so like, yeah, whatever so, oh, so the, no. the indoor dining is opening on the 30th, I'm told, with 25% capacity. Yes. Um, is, is there going to be, you, you have a stage set up in the Olive Tree Cafe with a plexiglass wall around it. It looks like a dunking booth, to be honest. A dunking booth, and it should be a dunking booth. Which might make it more interesting. But are, are, will you be allowed to put on shows there? Well, apparently, if, if we're not allowed to have comedy, we can have a girl jerking off behind there, and you, you can put in quarters. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I think that's allowed, actually. 
like old Times Square, a little, a little nostalgia for Dove and. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to get fake ID and then jerk off in a booth. That would be great. <laughs> I I do recall one time uh, going to the old Times Square and I was went to a booth or whatever, and a woman pulled out her penis. <laughs> and trying to, try to convince me it was a clitoris. But yeah. I, was, I was born at night, not, not last night. Last night, and you were also at Fordham Law School at the time. So he's not, she's not going to get one over on you. <laughs> and uh, so I, I uh, exited forthwith. But um, I that, that was before the Disney store and all those stores opened up uh, in that area. I went to um, Times Square probably 20, 25 years ago and saw into one of those booths and saw um, a very attractive young woman shove a plastic camel up her ass. Yes, yes, yes. A plastic uh, what? Camel. You heard the lady, no? It's a camel. <laughs> camel? Yes, like the animal, a camel, but it was a plastic one. Mm -hmm. That's but, the, right. but, the, but the shape of a camel, how does that go up an ass? Well, it's well, small enough. It goes anything can go up an ass if reduced in size sufficiently. I mean, do you know that kind <laughs> I, I saw of fantastic boys. Their asses. Do you have any idea what goes on in the emergency rooms? The kinds of things that people are inserting in yeah. assholes. Yeah, it gets pretty wild. I I thought I I believe a lot of that stuff is apocryphal. I don't believe people are really putting light bulbs in their ass. Apocryphal is an excellent word. I once left one of those jerk-off booths and ran into a guy I knew taking a real estate class about a block and a half from the jerk-off booth. It was very embarrassing, and we had to take another class the subsequent week. It was, it was hard to make eye contact. We sat three chairs from one another. You fist bumped, I hope. <laughs> no, no, just nodded. After that, we pretended not to know one another at all. Um, uh, so what else? By well, way, pro I'm sure he had probably had some experience uh, in those in those establishments as well. If he was any sort of red-blooded New Yorker, you said who, Dan? Uh, this individual you bumped into from the real estate class, I would imagine. Well, well, of course he did. Of course he did. Well, look, he was in the same place I was. I didn't bump into him at. Uh, at, you know, at a bakery. I mean, oh, I he, thought he was just like on the street as you walked out of the- Oh place. God, no, no, no. I was, I was exiting a booth. I mean, yeah. oh, probably oh, okay. flushed, flushed about the cheek with, 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 a, with a capillary because I had just, I had just loosened, loosened the goose, if you will. And then um, I ran into him as I left the booth. It was horrible. Yeah, well, uh... But you know, he didn't. It, you you were both in the same situation, so it's just it's it's it sort of can't. Well, it is, out. but it doesn't feel that way. I didn't go, hey, you know, you jerk off, and so do I. <laughs> we shouldn't have any awkwardness between us. <laughs> That's the thing about jerking off. When somebody catches you, we all know we all do it, but yeah. we still don't want to be caught doing it. That's the thing about being human. Well, yeah. When I went to get my, uh, well, you you went to the too. When I went to get my uh, semen count, my sperm count. Yes, you know, they, yes. They give you like stuff, and you go. They give you a cup, and you go into a room, and, you, oh. and they tell you to go jerk off, and then you come out with this warm cup of jizz. Oh, have to hand God. it to them. It's embarrassing. I mean, oh, well, what's more embarrassing, embarrassing is if, if you have to come out and say, "Look, this isn't doing it for me." You got any? <laughs> you got any uh, trannies taking a shit? <laughs> I had, uh, I and you know, there was no dimmer in the room where I had to jerk off into a cup in order to you know, deliver the sperm sample, they had no dimmer. So it was brightly lit and it really was a bit challenging to get to, to get in the mood, if you will. Do I, they I, give you stuff to look at or are you supposed to yeah. bring your own? 
there were magazines and then there was a little TV on the wall, but it was a small clinical experience and you sit on a wee-wee pad in a hospital chair. It was terrible. <laughs> and this was at NYU. This was no Hayseed Clinic. I wasn't getting this done in our what, ma what magazines are there? Whose job is it to select those? Can you imagine? Why, are you looking for work? <laughs> <laughs> they just, they just... But they should just have a computer there, I would imagine, with, with, with their, you know, Wi-Fi. You'd use your cell phone. When I went in, all they had was a plastic camel. <laughs> plastic camel. <laughs> I leafed through a high society magazine because I'm, 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 um, I'm turned on by well-educated women. <laughs> I thought of my wife. I don't know about you pigs. <laughs> exactly. No, that's why. That's why he was in there for a week and a half in the room. You should have, you should have said, "I thought of your wife too." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put the magazine down. I thought I know his wife. Anyway, yeah. I mean, I, I went in there like I went in and came out. They told me they'd never seen someone finish so fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, set the record. And well, then you did, I had to do it twice. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, you get used to it. You do what you got to do. You know. Uh, you're not allowed to just. I was sorry. I, was at, I, my, my, I went um, uh, to my office was in the Empire State Building. Is that where you went? No, no, I was on, uh, I was on the east side in the 30s at that NYU pavilion. It's like uh, it's Cedar Sinai, I think. Yeah, I went to the Empire State Building. It was quite, quite uh, afterwards, I went to, I treated myself to the observation deck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you should have done it on the observation deck. The, uh, <laughs> you know, that observation deck is you killing kill somebody that way, don't you know that? Yeah, exactly. Is the, uh, the Empire State Building, who, who, who works there? It's kind of a dumpy building, isn't it? I mean, it's this iconic building that everyone knows, but it's, it's kind of a dump, isn't it? Is it it's is like it, the comedy cellar of uh, <laughs> God's Game. Isn't no, it like, no, it's it's like um, low-end? A lot of businesses. A lot of, like, there are law firms, and then there are all just all kinds of businesses. I don't think any really high-end law firm would ever be in the Empire State. Like, Cadwallader, Wickersham, and Taft, or a scam. I don't know where Cadwallader, Wickersham, and Taft is located, but I, I <laughs> do know that a big part of the, the, uh, the that, that uh, their balance sheet is, is um, associated with their ability to sell tickets on the observation deck. And so that was one of their big wipeouts. Even though a lot of their commercial customers are paying their leases, their, their observation deck is uh, it's all jammed up because of COVID. Anyway, we don't have to get to it. So, so we still need sperm counts, but go ahead. You still need sperm, that that's right. Pardon? How long does that take? You go in there, I mean, how long does that take you guys to- uh, it takes However long it takes. Well, yeah, but you don't want to, you don't want to luxuriate in there. I mean, it's embarrassing enough without going in and walking out 45 minutes later. You want to get in, you want to get out because it's the same person you have to deal with and they all know what you're doing. When you walk up to that desk to sign in, it's very awkward. It's the only time in your life where you walk up and basically say, listen, I'm here. <laughs> I'm gonna sit down for 10 minutes before you call me in to jerk off. I mean, it's a strange thing to do. When I went in there, we pounding on someone else's door and the guy's going, I'm edging, I'm edging. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, my son Manny's here, what is it? <laughs> yes, that was- Yeah, I have good news and bad news. What? The bad news, always, what is it? I, um, I can't do that. Okay, you can't do the good news? You need... I know, I know how to do Okay, I'm on my podcast. I'll go upstairs, please. Go. No, I'm going to sit. Okay, you sit there, but we're going to talk dirty. Go ahead, go ahead, guys. No, no, listen. There's, there's, 
I don't think, I think we've said all there is to be say, said on this. Uh, well, Terry Hall apparently is quite interested in this topic. <laughs> it's kind of fascinating. If you, if, you agree to, if you agree to cut it out of the show, I'll do it for you right now, Perry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why nobody's come up with a better system. Like, why do you need to actually have interaction with like a receptionist or a nurse? Like the whole thing was fairly fucking demoralizing. Yeah, it's a tough one. You could mail it in, I suppose, they, you know. No, uh, no, you can't, you can't. I, I have a bit about this. I asked over the phone, can I, can I, can I drop it off? You know, and she said, we're gonna need a fresh sample. They want a fresh sample. Yeah, there has to be, they have to have a certain amount of time. Right. It, it's like, a, it's like a pizza from Joe's. You don't want it two days <laughs> later. You want it that night, baby. Yeah. And uh, my wife, I, I, I took a sperm count and then um, my wife, we, we found out Juanita was pregnant before I got the results. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. How long were you trying to get pregnant prior to going in for the test? No, I, I took it as, as, soon as, as soon as we decided we wanted to have I a did. child. I see. I, I was 48 at the time. Right. I decided to do it right then because that's what a lot of people do. They wait like six months, eight months. Yeah, I said, why right, wait? Right. Why wait? Yeah, that's that right up front. That was smart. Yeah. 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 Um, and why don't we uh, jump into the big story this week? Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg has left us on Friday. Yeah. After a long battle with cancer, many years uh, that she was not well, uh, she has passed, uh, leaving, of course, an empty spot on the Supreme Court. And it's the subject of that empty spot that has occupied so much ink and so much bandwidth. This yeah. week. There's going to be an announcement on Saturday. Trump, Trump announced it tonight that the nominee will be, uh, will be announced on Saturday in the Rose Yard. And people are making a lot of this issue that apparently before she died, at least according to her daughter, I believe, or granddaughter or whomever it was, that she said that she doesn't want her, 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 her most fervent wish is that there wouldn't be a replacement for her until the new president is uh, elected. But of course, her dying wish holds no constitutional wave well it's also a political wish in that regard and so it would be the responsibility of the other side not to not to necessarily allow it though you could make an argument for it right Noam? i mean the whole point is if you're if you want a conservative judge what are you gonna do you wait till you might not get reelected, and then you won't get a conservative judge why would you do that the dying wish is so stupid what if scalia had a dying wish or uh, what if she had yeah. a dying wish to have to, to overturn Brown versus Board of Education? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. What a dying wish. Exactly. That's a dying wish that's in that's in accord with what many people. Well, apparently, what the what what uh, what the Republicans said the last time in 2016 um, that they oh, wanted to. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Trump should replace the justice. Uh, I'm, I think he should uh, forbear. I think that McCon what McConnell did. Um, was you know pushing things by not giving Garland a vote? He didn't. He, you know, people need to declare he he didn't. He didn't even allow Garland to have a hearing. I mean, you just you know he just shut it down. And I, I if I were Trump, what I would do is I would nominate a justice, a good one, and I would start the hearing. And I'd say, listen, we're not going to have the vote until after the election. We're going to have the hearing now, and then I would you know have strategically have the senators ask her a lot of questions to bring out the important legal issues that she would 
be facing and essentially put this new justice on the ballot with me, I'm speaking as Trump, so that the base would have a, a motivation to vote and that to swing voters, Trump would look more, more fair and magnanimous by not, by not ramming the, the justice through. That's what but I would of course, do. But of course, they, they just as the Trump base would have a motivation to vote, so too would the uh, Trump opponents have a motivation to vote to, right. to not have this person, this conservative uh, judge installed. In other words, if, if Trump puts up a new judge, uh, a new conservative judge gets confirmed before the election, um, it, it's a fait accompli. And perhaps right. uh, people for whom Supreme Court justices are a main motivator to vote would just on both sides might just say, fuck it, I don't need to vote because it's, it's not as much motivation. There's already a conservative judge up there. You're right. right. You're right. That could be right. I, I tend to think the other way is, it, is still, it still balances out the other way, but you're right. I, I think that swing voters, um, I mean, there's three options, right? He has the option that I just said. He has the option of not pointing anybody and he, op and he has the option of trying to ram somebody through. I think ramming some, somebody through would, would be backfire for him. I think not doing anything. I mean, maybe that's that. That would that would annoy his base. I think. So, other three choices. I, I well, think there's only two real choices, and that's a fascinating strategy you you laid out. Though, it, I guess there's inherent risk, and you would have to balance that risk against the likelihood that you'll get enough swing voters to make a difference. But ramming it through, if you are a conservative, would be the safest way to achieve the objective, I guess. The problem is somebody needs to break the cycle because then they're going to want to pack the court. And then, I mean, just where this is all going, it just, it, it goes, you know, es escalates up uh, and it, it scares me, frankly. You know, the country is just not going in a good direction. No. What's no, the ethical not. thing to do here? What What's really Trump, like... Trump, Trump, Trump has every right to say, I'm not party to anything that McConnell did or didn't do in 2016. And I'm the president and presidents in my position prior have nominated somebody. And of course, you know, why wouldn't I nominate somebody? He's, he's right about that. The purely ethical thing to do, the purely moral thing to do would be to appoint a judge that you think is in line with your convictions. Yeah. But, Trump, but, go ahead. I don't think Trump will, Trump will appoint whoever is in line with him getting reelected. Yeah. But if you're asking from a strictly moral consideration, it would be, I don't think Roe v. Wade is good. Therefore, I'm appointing a judge that it might overturn or whatever, whatever things he's trying to get done on the court. I mean, I don't see how the Democrat. I mean, the only ethical consideration here that the Democrats can complain about is the hypocrisy, I guess, because they were I mean, Obama nominated somebody close, you know, in the last part of the, his term. Nobody said it was unethical. Can I ask a question and you'll... Um, Do you acknowledge that? Nobody said it was unethical, Periel? Yes, I acknowledge that, Noam. Why, um, why would Trump have ethical considerations here? But it's not a... I mean, none of this is a function of ethics. If you're, if you're a liberal and you want to appoint a, a liberal, you would do so with expediency whenever the opportunity arose, unless there was another political strategy like Noam laid out. I mean, I mean McConnell, even a question. McConnell did something which was shady, which, which I think, I'm no expert, but I think it violated the spirit of the Constitution, which he didn't, he didn't even allow a hearing. I mean, he could allow a hearing, and the Senate, the Republicans had the majority in the Senate, so they could have allowed Garland, a vote on Garland, and, you know, they could have voted him down. That would have been fine. They were probably worried because 
Republicans tend to be easier on, on Democratic picks than vice versa. They probably worried that they would lose a few votes and Garland might get through. But um, I think if James Madison were alive today, he would find what McConnell did to be viola violating of the spirit of the Constitution. But I don't think he'd have any problem with Trump putting a nominee before the Senate now. What's yeah, no, I mean... Okay, so can I ask a question, and you'll excuse my ignorance um, here? Uh, well, we're used to that. <laughs> how, how, how come Ginsburg didn't step down a few years ago and... Good question. What, like, allowed herself to be replaced with somebody that was, you know, that if why did everything rest on her? Like, if don't you have a, don't you have a Jewish mother in your house? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good question. I mean, it's not like turning, you know, mid eighties was a surprise. I mean, and health had to be fading. If turning, she turning, were, I, I can answer that. Turning mid eighties. Well, can I answer first? Because no, yes, I'm, go I'm, ahead, go ahead, I'm go a smart one. But so maybe maybe we have the same answer. Well, if yes, her her dying was no surprise. What was a surprise was Trump's election. Perhaps if she knew ahead of time that Trump was going to get into office, she would have said, all right, I got to get out of here now. Right, right, right. But right. Answer, how would yeah. predicted that? But she had she plenty of time, right? I mean, I don't know how it works. That's the question. Like uh, two years ago, a year ago, when her cancer came back. Oh, two years ago, she would have been the same thing. Trump would have been yeah. there and replaced oh, her. Yeah. So no, two years ago, it Got it. Huh? Two so years no, ago, it would have been worse. So no matter uh -huh. what she... He would he would be the one responsible for appointing, even if she were still alive, unless she had stepped down in well while Obama was in. Okay, right. if she if she had known, yeah, I mean there, there was no actually no scenario because W. McConnell wouldn't give Garland a hearing. So if she had stepped down during the latter part of Obama. It just worked out. Like she almost held out. I mean, she's a few months away from the election here. You know, how how, how um, lucid do you need to be to to not? I mean, does there ever come a point where they tell you you can't be a judge anymore if you're on a? I mean, if you can, you're barely conscious. You you no. know, at what point in the throes of dementia or um, a comatose uh, are you no longer allowed to to, to decide? Uh, Don't you, you remember um, Dan uh, Justice uh, William Douglas? I don't remember now. Um, he, 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 in his, towards the end of his uh, term, he was writing kind of pretty flaky opinions about how who speaks for the trees and stuff like that. Do you remember that? No, but. Yeah, but um, I, I well, think. Well, that begs the question, who does speak for the tree? <laughs> well, I think it's funny because it seemed so crazy then, but now it's, it's perfectly, but that would seem perfectly credible. But uh, it's, um, there is an impeachment. You know, they can be impeached. I don't know anything else. Wait, wait a second, slow down. So how come she didn't step down while Obama was still in office? If, if, if everybody knew that the weight of this was so enormous, why wouldn't she have replaced herself? Well, she was younger, she was, she was like five, five, six years younger then. She was 33 years old then. <laughs> no, I mean, she- In her 80s though. I don't know. They they stay. They they stay. They usually, you know. I mean, she didn't think that Hillary was going to win, but like I said, it wouldn't have mattered because it was too, so close to the end of the Obama's term. 
I don't know. You're thinking she, you're saying she should have stepped down in like uh, 2013 or something. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it feels like if it's such a disaster now, like a well, little bit. It's not such a disaster. Well, it depends where you're, you know, what you think politically, if it's a disaster or not. People, also, it wouldn't kill you to acknowledge that that was actually a good question. What was good about it? <laughs> I mean, in other words, if Ruth Bader Ginsburg knew that she'd be up for replacement in order to make sure that there was somebody, a liberal on the court, that wouldn't risk uh, having to retire anytime soon or dying, right. she would preemptive. And I said that she didn't anticipate Trump getting in office, but I guess she could have anticipated a potential conservative president and tried to head that off, but they just never do that. Right. Fair enough. I mean... And, and, and listen, people have been screaming alarm about the Supreme Court even since we started this podcast. And, and in, in that time, they legalized gay marriage. They upheld Obamacare. Recently, they, they upheld trans rights. Andrew, I mean, this, this, yeah. this sky is falling thing about the conservative Supreme Court, you know, putting black people back in chains and stuff. It's just bullshit. It's just bullshit. Uh, the, 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 the conservative court, I think, is... is um, I think the only issues in play are free speech issues, hate speech. I think this is going on. I'm, I think we're all in favor of a conservative court on that. And um, the other issue is always on the horizon is Roe versus Wade. And, you know, I don't know. I, I guess they could overturn Roe. I, I don't think they would, though. Well, um, Roe could fall, but then then that's good news for the comedy seller. As tourists come to New York for their abortions, why, <laughs> not, why not take in a show? Yeah, I'm, I'm of, I'm of, you know, I did a, I did some re research one time about Ireland, you know, Ireland had, didn't have legal abortion. And apparently, even while abortion was illegal there, they had no fewer abortions than they have now. And it's just, you know, I, I, there might be a few states that outlawed abortion. I, I'm, I'm not sure how many. And, you know, I, I don't know, I, I, the sky would not come falling down. But for some individuals, I suppose that overturning Roe would be very bad. And we, sh we shouldn't discount that. But it's not as if it's not as if it would be nationwide bans on abortion. That's for sure. But what it would do, the, the positive side is that it would take this issue out of the national debate, where it's been wreaking havoc for thirty years already. You know, it's just like it was a bad decision. It makes no. I mean, it may not be a bad policy decision, but it makes no legal sense. It, there's no right to privacy. It's certainly no right to abortion in the constitution. It's just, you don't even need to know about the law to know that that's a crazy opinion, that there's a right to an abortion in the constitution. This, well, is, this is what we're told, this is what we're told. Over your own bodies. Hold there? on, this is, what, this is what we're told, that there's a right to abortion in the constitution, and yet the death penalty, which was you know totally routine at the time they wrote the constitution, is actually violative of the constitution. So they make it up as they go along. But anyway, I'm, ag I'm against the death penalty and I'm for abortion. I'm just also uh, can't I can't mouth nonsense just because I agree with it. Le logically, I can Roe versus Wade. You can Google it. There's a lot of very important liberals who have written. The about is intellectually honest and moral. He's what a about, spiritual what about and political leader in our community. And you will all. What's that, Dan? What decision, Noam, do you think is on shakier legal ground, uh, uh, Roe v. Wade or whatever the case was that, that said that uh, gay marriage has to be legal in every state? Ro I don't Ro know. Roe v. Wade. Gay the gay marriage case is on zero shaky ground because there is no constituent. It's, it's done. 
People are used to it. It's 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 wrapped in the fabric of society now. The 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 uh, good the gay fabric. I mean, it just it's just it's done, and and nobody really cares about it. Abortion. I mean, so long as there are people having abortions, there's going to be a lot of people who think that this is murder. And the truth is. Science is not the friend of the people who say that it's not murder. I mean, every, every year science shows us more and more that these young fetuses look and behave like babies. It depends when. That's, you know, that's just the truth. It depends when. Well, we, we, have, we have my son Manny here. We have um, ultrasound of him at three or four months, you know, sucking his thumb. And, and you know, it's like... It's, you know, tell me that a, a, something sucking its thumb is not is is not only is not only it's not alive, but there's a constitutional right to kill it. I mean, it's you know, it's. I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong. I, I'm for. I, I would like women. I'm not against abortion, but I'm saying let's not pretend that anybody who says no, no, actually, actually, I think this is alive, and I think there's an issue here is like out to lunch. Most abortions take place before 20 weeks, though. So let's. So how would you feel about legalizing, making abortions illegal after 20 weeks? You'd be I, I saw an ultrasound of Dan at two and a half months old requesting a copy of Love in the Time of Cholera. <laughs> um, I'm not even sure it was published yet. It, was, it might not have been. You're right, Dan. Perhaps that wasn't the book you were requesting. Let me just look that up. Love in the Time of Cholera. Uh, was published you know. in uh, 1985. Ooh, ooh. So that not only up. was I, uh, not only as a fetus was I able to communicate, <laughs> I could predict the future. You predict the future. Right. <laughs> I have a book. I have a book here written by um, a financial analyst uh, who grew up in Russia, but he spent his career in the West. And it says, do we need to be free to be innovative, prosperous, or even happy? And what he's saying is where we're headed in terms of technology kind of removes some of the notions of liberty in the first place. And even though the notion of liberty was so fundamental for our evolution and the industrial revolution, he's asking, he's asking where do we stand right now on the trajectory of a technological future where the notion of freedom is utterly altered? Your cell phone will tell anybody with the technology to, to you know, tap in, hack in, whatever the word you're gonna use, where you are, what you're looking at, and how long you're looking at it. Um, and also the notion during COVID of Asian cultures that have more regard for um, the group relative to the individual um, and how well they may end up faring in the next century or in the rest of this century. I don't know. I thought it was an interesting question. It is an interesting question. It's an um, interesting question. It's a little bit um, not necessarily... It's not clear. There were two questions. One, do we need freedom to be happy? Two, the difference between the East and the West, certainly as it relates to the virus and the ability to put on a mask and follow rules. What does it say about how productive, you know, individualism is relative to, to the group? So, I, you know, 
they're big questions. Well, I mean, what was it? I forget who the philosopher was, but I saw it in that documentary about Pete Hamill and Jimmy Breslin, and he talked about how he quoted a philosopher saying that everybody has a like a public life, a private life, and, yeah. and a life that nobody knows about. Right. And technology is really doing damage to the life that nobody knows about. Well, everybody knows about it. There's and, no life that nobody knows. And that might be um, that might be a necessary part. We may need that life. Like, I don't know. That might be a necessary part of happiness. That's right. And that's part of what he's asking. If yeah. we are diminishing the likelihood that an actual freedom is possible by way of this technology that we've now integrated to the point where we can't put it down. We don't have an option. Did you, yeah. did you guys, any of you see The Social Dilemma on Netflix? No, I haven't seen it. I know that everybody's talking about it. Well, no. you guys should all watch it, especially those of us with children, because basically it has all of these guys and women. Who you could have just said, except Dan. Oh, I also <laughs> mean anybody who's listening. Okay. okay, go ahead. Um, and Dan, you should watch it too. Um, all of these people who were extremely high up at places like Instagram, Google, Facebook, um, and how basically the engineers have created an algorithm against which we stand no chance. Like it's specifically geared to make us addicted to it. And with young yeah. children, especially, um, the suicide rates have are astronomical compared to what yeah. they were before social media. Anyway, it's really oh. it's really sinister. Um, it's Our like the guy rate. who created the like button on Facebook, and like what happens to your brain and right. Also, profitability is correlated right. with what they call a filter bubble, meaning the money is generated by providing you with whatever your biases already are. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we are, our attention is the product. Right. That's right. That's um, what's being sold, is our brains and our attentions. Can I please have a uh, source for your assertion that suicide rates are through the roof because of <laughs> Watch, I mean, it's all in the film. I mean, it's all in, it's all in there. I, I, I question, I'm not watching the film right now. I'm, I'm hearing it. But let's not, but let's not. And let's, I question that. It may be. Let's not get hung up. It sounds like a periellism. Perhaps, but let's not get hung up on the efficacy of that one statistic. And sort of engage with the well, notion. Very honest. And they, all right, I appreciate that. We all want to keep everybody honest. She said astronomical levels. I mean, it's not like it it is. Is an I can believe an uptick, but astronomical. Yeah, like six hundred percent higher than it was. It's like shootings in Bed-Stuy after they took the tip of the spear off the street. The genius liberals that yank the plain clothes guys that hop out of the cars. Anyway, but um, yes, what do I know? No, Mr. de Blasio is really starting to get them. Depression and suicide rates are rising sharply in young, this is from time, then there, I mean, there's, I mean, there's all sorts of evidence. Well, you said very young children, but okay. Um, I mean, you guys have to watch it and then you can come back. Uh, it's PBS, CBS News, teen suicide, social media, bullying, mental health. I mean, it's, you know, 
If you were gonna, if you were gonna commit suicide, how would you do it, Ariel? Me, I would probably OD on pills because I'm averse to pain. I feel like <laughs> I answered that really quickly. <laughs> how would you do it, Dan? Hemlock? If I, could, <laughs> I guess you have to go to Chinatown for that now, sort of. Now, don't tell me you've never thought about this, Dan. Tell me how, <laughs> how, would, how, would yeah. you, how would you kill yourself? Well, I mean, this is this is a, a, a morbid conversation, but I think I would. You think pills if I could get the right pills? Pills. I couldn't get the, you know, but it's not so easy to get the right pills necessarily. I don't Dan, Dan, no, Dan once texted me, and literally without context, I see it going no other way than by my own hand. <laughs> How would you do it, Dove? Oh, but I don't I, know, man. You know, I mean, what is wrong with you? Well, I know, but, but you're inclined, like, heroin is the happiest dancer, right? I mean, yeah. just good while you go out. I mean, perhaps, you know, I mean, what, what, like, a monk that lights themselves? I mean, there may be a more politically expressive way to do it than passing away on heroin. I don't know. I don't know the answer. To the you, you would think right. that the painless way would be the one everybody would choose. Like, go to sleep in the car or whatever. Right, right. But yet, like... Like Robin Williams killed himself with some contraption where he slammed the door and, and, and like, yeah, very strange. What? Yeah, what? What gives me hanging themselves? Hanging, I mean, yeah, one thing being in a prison, but they do it in, their, in their bathroom. And Tony Bourdain, I mean, was a heroin addict early in his life. You'd think that hanging yourself wouldn't be an option. I mean, especially if you had facility with the spike and you know some fentanyl in the first place. Strange. It's weird, right? Well, yeah, I mean, hanging is very effective, so maybe there's a concern that another method wouldn't be as effective. Uh, if, for example, if you put yourself in a garage and turn on the car, if it's a Tesla, you'll be waiting a, a while. <laughs> if, it's, if, it's a, if it's a gas-powered car, it could take some time, and you might somebody might discover you. Right. Whereas I imagine a lot of hangings don't, don't pan out. Who knows how to make I, a noose anymore? Of, I've never heard of a hanging that didn't work like a charm. All right. I, I mean, yeah, that's... That's in, that sounds that sounds like something I would say. Where would you have heard of all of these hangings that didn't go as planned? I've never right. heard of a hanging not not. I've never heard of a hanging survive survive. But no, makes a good point. Who who knows how to tie a noose? And yeah, they look relatively complex. I mean, oh, it's, I, because you're thinking of a hangman's noose that professionals use. You don't need that. You just you just need a basic anything around the no, neck. No, no, no. You're gonna have some you dignity. If you're gonna end it, you use a, a professional <laughs> noose. You don't need the Nuremberg trial noose. <laughs> what about autoerotic asphyxiation? Oh, it's so erotic. Can, can we get to uh, some of Trump's other, uh, other Trump-related stuff? Yeah. Since we are the podcast of record, I'm just, uh, I've appointed us the podcast of record on all things Trump. But, um, oh, I just, I look, you know, according to uh, Harvard, uh, case, case fatality rates percent by suicide method. I guess this means shows the people who, who die in an attempted suicide using these methods. So 82 point, firearms are 82.5% effective. Drowning and submersion, I don't know how they do that, 65.9. Suffocation, hanging, 61%. Gas, 41 Drowning and submersion? You're telling me 62% of people stayed down that didn't die on impact because they jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge? What it seems to say. Are you oh, reading in front shocking. of your child? Huh? Is Manny still in the room? <laughs> he's, he's, he's playing with a, with a rope. 
Um, <laughs> a, a number of factors are theorized to influence the lethality of a given method. The first is inherent deadliness. For example, car exhaust with a high CO level will be more deadly than car exhaust with a low CO level. Second is ease of use. A method that requires technical knowledge is less accessible than one that does not. We should get the author of this on the, on the podcast. Yeah, that sounds fast. Accessibility. Uh, um, drug poison, 1.5%. Cutting, 1.2%. Slitting your wrists, I guess. So, so there's a wow. huge... Wow. I'm surprised that the, uh, the, the hanging was that low because, like I said, I've never known or heard of a case where somebody survived a hanging. I've heard of people surviving firearms and even the Golden Gate Bridge, as we said. What's uh, the pills? Pills, uh, well, drugs, poison, ingestion, 1.5%. It's hard. It's probably not so easy to... 1.5%. That's what it said. Not so, easy, it's not so easy to poison yourself. Or cut yourself, apparently. Just the wrists don't really do it. I mean... I, I, you know, if you're really serious about it, you want to make a statement. Well, I would imagine, do they have jumping off a building on that list? There isn't a, yeah. there aren't all thing was 34%. Whoa, 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 34. What are you leaping off a two-story house? 34%. Well, okay. I think hidden in a lot of this is, uh, you know, is half-hearted attempts. You're like some people, they, they don't really want to die. They sort of do it, but they, you know, <laughs> they jump, but they don't jump from the high. Who knows what goes on? But, um, it says here that fire uh, is rarely attempted. People rarely, uh, people rarely set themselves on fire. I, also, I some, Sorry, go ahead. There's also some more um, eclectic means of it uh, doing so, like um, suicide by aircraft, uh, which there's a few of those every year. And of course, there's suicide by cop. Um, well, once yeah, in a while, somebody very... pulls a pin on a hand grenade and, and doesn't throw it, I gather. I mean, <laughs> somebody, very... somebody must have done that at some point. Um, Suicide by cop, there's so many things that can go wrong. You want to keep the probability reasonably high. I mean, I would think jumping off a tall building is 100%. People, yeah, people have survived uh, skydiving without, a, without the parachute going off. Yeah, you know, one out of every... One million skydives, somebody bounces off grass and doesn't actually expire. But jumping off a, law, a tall building in an urban environment, I gotta think, unless you land right on the hood of a cab and bounce or something, it's a pretty good way to go. All right, Manny, Manny's here. Now let's talk about something else. Okay. I want to talk about Trump at a, at a um, recent uh, rally or whatever it was in Minnesota. Apparently, uh, talk, was talking about, well, let me read the quote. Let me get that. Uh, talking about hold on, hold on. Noam, Noam just said Manny's here. Let's move on. And I just thought we've been through masturbation, suicide, um, abortion, and uh, and and the lack of freedom. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know if there's any uh, Tommy the Train news this week. So <laughs> what did Trump say? I didn't hear this. Trump said, in, 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 he said, I'll, I'll, I'll read that. You didn't put the whole quote in, did you? Oh, yes. It says, okay. He says, um. In, his, in Bemidji, I think it's pronounced Minnesota, at the end of a, a two-hour speech, he said the state was pioneered by men and women who were tough and strong and braved the wilderness and winters to build a better life. You have good genes. You know that, right, Trump said? You have good genes. A lot of it's about the genes. The racehorse theory. You think we're so different? You have good genes in Minnesota. He said this in front of an all-white or primarily white crowd. And of course, a lot of people are saying that this is a Nazi ideology he's talking about eugenics, he's talking about genetics, he's talking about good genes in Minnesota, which is a notoriously uh, white state. Um, you mean, no, notoriously white, you mean the one, the only state that voted against uh, uh, Ronald Reagan, that state? 
<laughs> well, being that I said May, it's a very white Nordic state. And so when you say that Minnesotans have good genes, people will draw the conclusion that you mean Northern European is better. At least that's how people are interpreting it. And this is, this is the, this week's latest Trump scandal. So Naomi, I assume you have things to say uh, about I, that. I, I don't, I mean, it's a dumb thing to say. I guess it, to me, it sounds like a, a very comics or like come from good stock. Like you're just saying, you're, you come from hardy stock, I guess. I, I mean, I don't think Trump's a Nazi. Don't we realize yeah. by now that Trump's, the problem with Trump is not that he's a Nazi, is that he's a, he's a, he's a reckless driver. Right, is that he says what, he says what's on his mind. There is no, totally his daughter converted. I mean, he's, he, 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 you know, I mean, it's, he's got Jewish people. He's more pro-Israel than anybody. He's not a Nazi. Yeah, but he encourages this fucking white supremacist at every, this white supremacy at every turn. Really? Or do people just claim, say that he's encouraged? I mean, he has, I should, I don't want to take that back. He said, he, he Charlottesville, um, yeah, he, he didn't say what they said he said, he, 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 he was properly condemned for uh, both sideism. But um, other than that, nine out of 10 of the things have just been bullshit. Like the, the stars that were sheriff stars and the ad ads and George Soros is a, I mean, like it's all like, the, the, there's never been a better friend to Jewish causes. That's right. Ever, <laughs> ever. What did Benny Morris say about that? He didn't call him an anti-Semite. What did he say? He said that he thought that Trump uh, could turn on Israel if it was in his if it is interested to do so, and uh, but then actually when I when I pushed back um, on it, he said, "Well, maybe you're right." He didn't he didn't, he didn't even seem to be a firmly held opinion uh, that he had. I don't I don't trust. I'll say that this about Trump uh, is that if I had if I had that many people that were were white supremacists uh, waving my flag, um, how many people does he have? Well, I don't know, some number. They seem to be, let's, let's put it this way. They seem to be more enthusiastic about him than they've been about most presidents in the past 50 years, or all presidents in the past, past 50. That, that is to say, if I, if I thought that people, that the perception was existed that I was a white supremacist, even if I wasn't, I would, I would make more of an effort than Trump has to disabuse him of that notion. Now, you may feel he's made enough of an effort. No, I, I, agree, I agree with you. I, I agree with what you just said. Yes. No, no, of course he does. But I heard Norm agreeing with that. He's just saying that Trump speaks off the cuff and people that do that are that much more likely to get themselves into hot water and he should take more care in communicating sensitive messaging. But, but I will tell you that there, there, is a, there is an aspect to Trump. You know, we, we tend to want to slice and dice attributes and, and, and have them, you know, fine tune them just the way we think they ought to be. And that's not really realistic uh, in real life. It is an aspect of Trump, which is, fuck you all, I'm gonna say whatever I want, yeah. and I'm not gonna disclaim and apologize and, and, and pretend that, because I don't give a shit what you think about what I said. And, and that aspect of him, you know, I kind of like that, in a person. Of course, of so course. for instance, when it comes to fighting wokeness, yes. we will never have a president again who will not negotiate with the terrorists I call the woke. He does not give a shit. He won't say, I'm sorry, I hope you didn't misinterpret me, blah, 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 blah. Right. He won't compromise. He's like, go to hell. I don't give a shit. 
Keep the and, language police. Yeah. You know, and 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 I think that Trump's like, you know, I, I I'm not I'm not gonna do it. You know, you think that's what I said? Go, fine. Now you're right, Dan. I wish that he would, but maybe if he was that easily spooked or whatever the word is, he he would um then Part start compromising, compromising on other things I wouldn't want him to compromise. I don't know. Yeah, what you're saying is that the, the very thing that people, some people identify with about him is inextricably linked to the things that are challenging about his messaging. Yeah. Um, what's the other thing? Also, you know, the notion of, of the alt-right being used, Eric Weinstein, Weinstein Noam, who's really, truly brilliant guy, he said, it's a one-word argument the left will use to, um, to, diminish somebody's ideas. And so they took Jordan Peterson, for example, and somebody said the alt-right. He said, oh yeah, it's not, what, look, you know, the, the alt-right like the Beatles it well, as well. It doesn't mean that, that they're, they're, they're racist um, in a meaningful sense, although the word racist now can mean that you have an observation that isn't favorable about a group of people. I, I don't know what the word racist means right now, but anyway, yeah. I thought well, it was I, 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 I agree with you, and, and you know, I said something. The one word argument, the alt right. You can say that about, I mean, almost any of it. If the alt right likes uh, Wagner, uh, then Wagner was a psychopath. You know, who, who, who can't you say that about? Um, that I, yeah. I, have to, I have to acknowledge, maybe I don't have to say it out loud, but I thought it, that there's, there's only one politician. When, I, when, we, when, we went, when we went through all that stuff with Louie and the commissar and everybody was attacking us and blah, 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 all that went through. There's only one politician I'm aware of who would have taken our side without even without, without uttering one right. milly mouth disclaimer, right. blah blah blah. That would have been Trump. He's like, yeah, right. good. You know, like M Michael Che did that. You know, within our community, very right. few did, and and no politician, you know, would except for Trump. So, you know, I I I, I just to be honest. I, I don't, I, I give him a little credit for that while at the same time agreeing with what you said, Dan, and all the while saying that I don't think the big problem with Trump is that he's a white supremacist. Let's, let's, be, let's remember that Joe Biden said that Mitt Romney was going to put black people back in chains. I mean, the hyperbole that comes out on both sides, you know, out of the, the people who oppose a politician. You know, and on the other hand, Trump did make those remarks about Mexicans that were that were that was really offensive. You know, the the way the way he came. It wasn't quite the remark they said he said, but I was offended by it. He never said it again. Um, and yeah, that's probably music to the ears of white supremacists. So I'm not giving him a pass. So I'm just trying to see it. You know, with all the subtlety and nuance. Yeah, mm. yeah, that all adds up. What else, Dan? Um. And any, any, so uh, I don't know what else. Um, I mean, you know, it, the, the flip side of this is that we went through, you know, this white supremacy thing, like Trump in the second Charlottesville uh, Unite the Right March, they had 20 people. 20 people showed up to this nationally promoted second annual Unite the Right March. So that's, you know, some is not an unfair way of gauging how much support there is for this white supremacy in the country. But we went through months of scary rioting and looting, right? And we heard comment after comment 
that was music to the ears of the people doing that. Right. Um, and where was Periel complaining about that? You know, when, when the New York Times was tweeting out property can be replaced. I mean, they fucking tweet out I, property no, can be replaced. No. And other people saying they have insurance. And, and you know, like, you know, while, while real, while, while, while not a theoretical thing, while real things are happening, you know, and Biden finally, finally, finally comes out and says, I'm against the looting. Oh. oh, my God, he's so brave. He, he yeah, finally yeah. made a negative remark yeah. about the looting. Yeah. And right. oh, and isn't that so different from Trump saying both? I mean, who are we kidding here? The yeah, it's, an, it's incredible hypocrisy. Um, yeah. It's. I feel like Noam is if he had to vote right now, and, and he had to vote, he was legally bound to vote because you know Noam doesn't like to vote, and he had to vote right now. I'm wondering whether he'll pull that lever. For but Donald you know, Trump, not vote for Trump because he's a bad president. But I'm not gonna. That doesn't mean that I'm not gonna. Yeah, that I'm gonna have to jump on everything Noam, they say about it. Noam is an intellectually honest man, and that's why he's my political thought leader. Oh, thank you, Doug. Well, I give. I certainly uh, know him. Uh, you know, uh, I, I put a lot of stock into what he says. Um, a lot of stock. You put every all stocks into what he says. Who the hell else do you know that knows half as much? No. You can go back. You can go back to this podcast as before Trump was like, and I and I haven't really changed my view. I always said I didn't think he was. You, a, you, did, a think that you did think he would. You were you were hopeful that he would be able to get a lot of stuff done because he wasn't beholden to people, in particular infrastructure projects. So I mean, you. Yeah, I, I, I still don't understand why he didn't do that. Didn't seem like that panned out, but. Um, I, I don't get it. I, I haven't heard a good analysis why he didn't, because that's the one issue that even when they lost the, the house, he ought to have been able to have progress. Maybe it's just all the Russia stuff and all the impeachment stuff. They, I mean, they've just been at him for four years. Maybe it just, maybe that's part of the reason. I don't know. But what infrastructure do we do? do would you have suggested? Uh, what infrastructure? Would I, I mean, the roads and bridges are crumbling apparently. Uh, you know, airports, whatever, whatever's needed. I don't know. I mean, you, you see pictures of like what they have in China being so superior to us. How about burying the fucking power lines in, in uh, Gulf Coast cities or, so they don't, have, they don't have, you know, blackouts every time there's a hurricane? Right. Um, and, and in theory, that would, that would generate um, value. It's like CapEx into a building or a company. It yeah. would generate long-term value in addition to creating... Uh, jobs and the velocity of money earned. Um, I'm not even convinced that Trump, I think Trump handled COVID mediocrely at best or badly, but I don't even know if that made any difference. I, I, the, only, the only real thing I've seen that clearly made a difference was that New York didn't shut down when they should have. That's, that, that is the clear one. I mean, Trump should have encouraged mask use more and that would have saved lives, I guess. But I mean, man, New York not shutting down, that was huge. New York and New Jersey, that was huge. The country never recovered from that because that fed the infection throughout the entire country. My friend just drove from um, New York to New Mexico and she said the number of Trump signs is just astonishing. Why astonishing? 50% of the country is going to vote for him. Or 48%. I mean, I think more than that, I think he's going to uh, are, are you saying that the number of signs relative to the number of Biden signs it was astonishing or just the, 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 the raw number? So I, think, I, think, I think she meant both. Just that well, most of the country, it seems, 
the, and I mean, I can read you what she said and I mean, it's- But also I think if she's from the East or West Coast, the notion that lots of people are behind Trump is just not as apparent in a daily living situation. You don't see yeah. Trump signs in New York City. When you leave New York City, you go, oh, that's how he was voted. Like, it's real. Can, can I tell you what bothers me, Periel? I've never been able to make this point to you. Oh, I, I, I have highly doubt that. <laughs> don't you understand that a lot of this country correctly estimates that the Democrats and the mainstream media hate them, look down their nose at them, yeah, think yeah. they're rubes, thinks they're racist, whatever, and they will not vote for a institution or party that doesn't respect them. Yeah, of and, course. And, and, they, and, 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 and they are right about this. And yeah. you should and we should all understand why they vote for Trump. Okay. Who, who would vote for the party that called them deplorables? Yes. This is a party, they, they can ac accurately say, I'm repeating something I hear, but it's true. If you didn't know better, what does the Democratic Party care more about? Illegal immigrants or the white working class that have, that have been victims of, of uh, uh, in a, uh, automation and stuff? I mean, obviously they care about people who don't even belong, don't have a legal right to, I mean, I, 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 I wanna rephrase that because you know, I have tons of friends who are illegal immigrants. I'm saying they care more about the people who are not citizens, who don't have legal rights here, than they do about that huge swath of America that Michael Moore used to be a liberal darling by championing. And it, it just kills me when, and you're, you're very typical of your, of your people you represent, when people still don't understand, of course they're gonna vote for Trump. They read the way you talk about them. They know how you think about them. They, they know what AOC thinks about a fucking guy in Ohio who works for a living. And no, when, I'm, when I'm with, my, when I'm with my, my, my brother and his, all the PhD Manhattan people that they hang around, I could say any, no matter how disparaging, how I would communicate about white working class people I grew up with that have Chevy sitting in their front yard on cinder blocks. If I have an observation about Bed-Stuy having lived there, I'm not sitting in an armchair on the Upper West Side. It is reflexive defense of any minority population. If I, if I talk about Hasidics or if I talk about white working class people, you won't get a peep out of the jury. It is the, it, they're so reflexively hypocritical and full of shit. It's incredible. Yeah. No, I, I don't know if that's necessarily fair. No, whenever anybody wants to let me talk. All right. Well, okay. Go well, go on, Dan. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> go ahead I mean, I look. No, no, I was kidding. Let Perryell talk. No, no, I'll go after Dan. That's okay, fine. Well, I, there's truth in what you're saying. On the other hand, you know, Hillary did not call white working class people deplorable. She called Trump voters deplorable. And yes, Trump voters are going to vote for Trump. It's a, sort of a tautology, I guess you would call it. But was she calling white working class people deplorable or was she calling Trump voters deplorable? But, that, but isn't the more important 
notion is what Noam was talking about, the Democratic Party not communicating to the broad base of people. It's not just about Hillary. Okay. So, the so, that's, so that's fine. And I am fully aware of that. And I am also the first one to admit that there is certainly an intellectual elite in this country, and there's certainly a class system. But if you for one fucking second think that people like Trump with all of his wealth and privilege give a fucking shit about the white working class people whose Chevys are on cinder blocks, I mean, to me, that is just like beyond preposterous. These people- That's not the argument. The, the argument isn't that Republicans genuinely care, it's that Democrats don't even pretend to care. And Republicans do pretend to care? Oh, they certainly pretend to, yes. I think the Republicans do care. That's their, that's their constituency. I, well, I, she's I, saying I, Trump I, doesn't care, which I wouldn't argue, but certainly, uh, Trump, but, but Periel, correct me if I'm wrong, it used to be the other way around. Democrats used to be the party of the white working class. It's like why Biden went to Scranton. And somehow, because of messaging, the white working class has ended up more in the camp of conservatives. Um, and it's, um, it, it's, it's a, it's a massive white working class. What about everyone else? Listen, I, I don't understand this doesn't care. Like I, I never really understood. What is your opinion about Trump? Like if he doesn't care about them, then why doesn't he just abandon them so he can win reelection? I mean, I think they're all, a lot of them seem to be voting for him. Right, but I'm saying like, what does he, what you think? He cares I mean, about he, getting reelected. That's what he cares about. All right, I get your point. What I'm saying is that Trump's been talking about this stuff for many, many years. He's a, he's an American of a particular generation. And um, I mean, I, I understand he's got personality flaws and, and he might care, but he would cut somebody loose in a heartbeat if it, if it you know, impinged him in some way, but I think he cares about the, the, the rock, what's that special rock rib, rock ribbed America, you know? Well, his, I mean, his track record as a business um, man certainly would, would suggest otherwise owing people money and saying, well, I owe you $100,000, but I'm only going to okay, get- Okay, so, so Periel, you're, you're right. I mean, we, we know he's, he's a shady businessman. Okay. Um, but um, uh, are, you, you, are, are you prepared now if I unearth all the lying and cheating and stuff that Joe Biden has done? Are you prepared to hold that against Biden? Like the fact that his son was getting paid a million dollars while he's vice president to work at Ukraine. I mean, like, what the hell is that? You, you, can you can you name something that Trump did which was less, more corrupt than all that? And I mean, you, I, I, without getting details, I know people will say, "Well, that was his son," but no, not his son because it's all understood. And then Biden went golfing with the guy from Burisma, and there's a picture of them all together. And he lied about his law school graduating, and he plagiarized, and he he makes he he made stuff about his wife. I mean, they all fucking have stuff you can attack them on. Okay. Yeah. By the way, can I just, if I want to just circle back very quickly to Periel's assertion about suicide rates and social media. This, according to Time magazine, uh, depression and suicide rates are rising sharply in young Americans, according to a new report. But it also says uh, that it's a tough question to answer 
uh, and that it, there's there's um, the evidence is in is is uh, not consistent as to whether this is because of social media or not. Okay, well, watch the, watch the movie and um, tell me. No, isn't isn't and and everybody? I mean, is this is there a fundamental question, a philosophical question about whether or not we believe in equal opportunity? And you certainly have to help do your best to facilitate that, because if we believe in the equivalence equivalency of outcome, which is a very Marxist idea, and that we should diminish um, a lot of standards. I mean, it seems as like part of the poll left and right is the equivalency of opportunity relative to equivalency of outcome, which tends to be really dangerous. Bill Maher, who's obviously on the left in the same way that I'm on the left, but described it as prioritizing um, feelings over the truth. And he saw that as a major liability for the left politically. And so isn't that the fundamental question? We can call my minority, you can black, white, whatever you want. It's do you believe that we're going to be better off um, not having a level, a, a kind of, you know, what aligns itself with the Martin Luther, with the notion that judge me by my, my character. The notion of judging you by your character is to say, an equivalency of opportunity is what's owed, not an equivalency of outcome. Of course. Uh, and why has that become a conservative notion as opposed to a reasonable human, um, uh, um, what's it called? Human nature-based assumption about the way human animals work. If you give somebody a narrative of, of victimhood, no matter what goes on, it's not to say that racism isn't real. It's to say if that's the narrative for every fallback, um, how can we move on with our lives? What can we possibly do to repair the notion of 300-year-old structural anything but to acknowledge and to create equal opportunity? Because outcome will be a net negative. You'll be speaking Chinese in 30 years. Well, there's never going to be. A, never, you can't measure an outcome. Look at Europe. I mean, they, they don't have out. They don't have equality of outcome there, and that's a the, 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 the progressives see uh, inequality of outcome as evidence. Yes, that's what I mean. Opportunity. That's right. That's yeah, right. It, it, and it can be, and it it certainly can. Of course, be. it can be. Of course, it can be. Yes, but um, it's they, they see it as proof, and it, and and it's not. I mean, you can make. There's some very simple arguments, and they're really they're really powerful, and they get said so much that they somehow lose their their uh, their their impact. But um, Nigerians, which you would assume are suffer from, I mean, they look black like everybody else. They suffer earn, earn more things. money than the average white family. Yeah, they do they do extremely well. They earn they earn more than so whatever whatever the the racism that is going on in America. For whatever reason, it doesn't hold them back. Now we can we can go a step further and say, well, mate, well, so so then the natural question would be, well, okay, what's going on different in Nigerians than what's going on in, in uh, with Americans? And we would say, well, they're not like they're, they're not descendants of slaves, the Nigerians. Right. Correct. I I think that's probably that that could be the reason. It also could but just be they're not, they're not immigrants. Well, right. was, was it, it could also just be that they're not immigrants, and immigrants in general have a certain you know. Work uh, hard, uh, yeah, yeah. Brazen, also, a little moxie, right? That 
that that we're, we're culling the very best uh, yeah. of the yeah. Nigerians, that, the ones that come here, are already more, uh, you know. But but no matter how you slice it, to a to a to a rational person, an intellectualist person, they would feel the need to. If you say, listen, this is a racist country and that's the reason for the outcomes. And then I say, well, actually, well, here's a group of black people, a big group of black people who are actually doing better than the, the me. And an intellectually honest person would say, oh shit, I better think about that. You know, I, I gotta integrate, I, gotta, I have to come up with a theory that allows for that as well. You know, I'm, I'm not saying, but they don't. They go, ah, bah, 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 bah. Yeah. Noam couldn't be more right. And I'll substantiate that with another example. I heard a psychologist talking on NPR about how Asian students are outperforming everybody, white, Jews, if you want to break that down, um, to get into Bronx science and any of these competitive public schools in New York City. And um, the argument was, well, black and Latino um, people don't grow up with parents that have the same level of education and facility with the English language. So you can't expect them to do as well. And they gave a test study of age, children of Asian immigrants, first generation. And in their home, they spoke Chinese or, you know, from, or Korean. And the students were still outperforming their white, black and Latino counterparts. If you're intellectually honest and you don't begin to question culture, you're either stupid or you're blind. Um, there is no other way to begin to approach that. You can come up with different um, sort of philosophies as to why something happens. But the notion that the left seems to go like this, uh, when you approach, when, when you sort of deliver what is clearly a comparison that at worst needs to be considered. Of course, you have, you have to, you have to, if you have a theory that you believe is true, you have to, it has to be able to explain the real world. It's like, it's like climate models get criticized That's sometimes. Exactly well, exactly right. This, but now it's snowing and, and then they adjust, then they adjust the theory to account for it. Doesn't mean you have to throw the whole thing out. You You've have Sam it. Harris, you have Sam Harris and Eric Weinstein. Sam Harris is a lifelong Jewish neuroscientist intellectual with a meditation app who's being called a racist by the left because he's intellectually honest. He doesn't have a racist bone in his body and he's not at all on the right politically. It seems incredibly hypocritical to me and intellectually dishonest. And, but here, and here's the thing, and I'm gonna add to that. And this really is the heart of the matter because it, the theories are not tethered to the real world, yeah, they're not. They are relegating future generations to th these problems to continue. The soft bigotry of lowered expectations. Because if you, if you want to attack a problem and you're not actually attacking the problem, um, you're not going to solve the problem. You're not going to solve the problem. So what they're doing now, more 100%. and more, is it, they're putting their energies, and this is really sad what liberalism is doing. I don't want to keep talking about race, but is that, you don't hear very much about how they can help minority kids do better in school anymore. What you hear more and more about is just changing the standard, getting rid of the test, getting rid of the SAT, re redefining quality. concepts as white supremacy. It's like, okay, but at some point, these kids are gonna have to sit behind the computer and write some code or do some math yeah. or, or write a letter 
And how did you help them? Like if they can't do well on the SAT, are they going to magically grow a vocabulary when they actually need it? So that, so it's just, it's disgusting what they're doing. And I had said on a previous right. podcast, if I, if I was a Democrat, if I was a Republican, if I were Trump, I would be, I was trying to win the black, the black vote. If I was trying to win the black vote, I would say, look at the Democrats. They think you can't do it. Yeah, Everything they say, they right. think you can't do it. When was, they don't want to help your kid do better in the SAT. They want to get rid of the SAT. That's Why better. is that? Why would they get rid of it if they thought he could do it? That's right. Noam Dorman, 2024, he's got my vote. Well, of course, and of course, and by the way, of course they can do it. Of course they can fucking do it. There are, there are charter schools where black kids are doing way better than Asian kids. Listen, we're not interested in, in it's the prioritization of feelings over the truth, of outcome over opportunity, and we will all be poorer because of it, on every level. We're all, we will all be worse off. Now, let me tell you something about Periel. First of all, Periel, I want to remind you that on this podcast, on this podcast, we had uh, more than one expert who um, testified to the fact that Kamala Harris, who is likely to be president very soon, Kamala Harris put innocent people in prison uh, knowing they were innocent, Kept, fought to keep innocent people in prison, also fought to keep a man on death row who she had good reason to think might have been innocent. And I would like you to tell me why that somehow bothers you less than Trump not paying a contractor who had recourse to the courts. Like, like this is what, I this, think is, this is where I articulated I'm, very clearly when we had Laura Bazelon on that I thought that that was horrible. Right, but you still would never, met, what I'm saying is that no, obvious, no, wait, obviously you're, you're comparing actual human rights violations like Fidel Castro level human rights violations to a shady business practice where they have a lawsuit or whatever it is that they work. I mean, it's so, so yes, Trump's a sleazeball. No, no, the, actually... the fact that this bothers you while you know the person you're going to vote for kept people in prison who were innocent is astounding to me. First let's just admit, all... hold on, let's just admit the following. You don't really care about any of it except as you can weaponize it against the candidate who you want to vote for or don't want to vote for. Bullshit, and I was very clear with my position when we had her on, and I maintain that. And I was when I'm talking about Trump, it's not be, he was a shady businessman. It's like this is the character of a person, and as I as opposed to keeping an innocent person in no, prison. No, I said that was why are they mutually exclusive? Because I'm saying why that can't both of those. Why can't they both do horrible things? Tell me something that Trump did which compares to keeping an innocent person in prison. Well, they seem to be sterilizing women um, in these ICE detention holdings against their will. That, I mean, no. I would say that that's probably up there. I, I, did you read that in a meme somewhere? <laughs> did, Dan, did you, hear, did, you, did you read about Trump sterilizing women? I don't think I, I, don't think I read that anywhere. <laughs> um, I think I might have heard something about that, but I don't know. I wish, there was some, I wish there was some technology which I could give you a, a 10 second reputation. I won't a second, but listen, uh, uh, Joe Biden, did you read the story about wait, where he wait, claimed- wait, so Can you answer me now? Is that bad to do that? I mean, can we condemn to that? To sterilize women? It's bad to do what? I'm serious. I would argue that we should be able to sterilize 
a lot more people, both men and women, depending <laughs> on the criteria. It has nothing to do with immigrants or ICE. Here's I, what I'm, I know what I'm lots reading. of white people I don't want to, re to reproduce. So it's not race-based. I, I I'm an equal opportunity sterilizer. Be that as it may, it says here in this article I'm seeing daily news, uh, people detained by U.S. immigration authorities will no longer see a Georgia doctor who's been accused of performing hysterectomies on women without consent. A government spokesman said Tuesday, Dr. Mahendra Amin has been accused of sterilizing multiple women without explaining the procedures at a detention center, the Associated Press reported. Was, was that that's not government policy. That's a rogue Indian doctor. Sounds like a rogue doctor who, I don't know that he's Indian, but his name is Mahendra Amin. What do you think he was? Well, it could be Pakistani, I suppose. You're right. Um, You're 100% In any right. case, it's not Trump. Um, Joe yeah. Biden is a plagiarist liar. In most recent example detailed by the Washington Post, Biden made up a story in which he as vice president displayed personal courage, traveling to a war zone, uh, taking fire. Uh, he says it was a moving story. This is the God's truth, he concluded. My word is a Biden. But his word is a Biden isn't worth squat, the Post showed reporting that Biden got the time period and location, the heroic act, and the type of medal in the military branch and the regular recipient wrong, as well as his role in the ceremony, which is a nice way of saying Biden lied about an act of military heroism to, to aggrandize his own role in the story. He never faced any fire anywhere. He didn't even pin a medal on the guy. There's this story after story after story about Biden about this stuff. He's a fucking liar and a plagiarist. They lied. I mean, they're, they're all. Can you believe this is what we're choosing from in America? Yeah, it's very sad. <sighs> it is well, sad. I wonder, Noam, if people in general had to, to run a business and deal with brass tacks and run cost-benefit analysis, whether they would be so, um, I don't know, so loose and reflexive with regard to um, not, not asking for a more you know, uh, um, um, character-based, I, I, I'm not saying this well, but you know what I mean. Like if, you know, it's the, it's the difference. I was reading um, Skin in the Game by Nassim Taleb, and he said, you know, several hundred years ago, if you were a French banker that um, was lending at 40 to one and your bank collapsed, they would chop your head off. And his point was, if you have skin in the game and you're not an academic, um, I don't know. I should make a more careful argument. So I'm going to pull it back. I don't mean that to disparage academics. Uh, I have a lot of respect. But if you have to, if you have to make a decision that has repercussions in the real world, you'll be much less likely to create um, equality of outcome and much more likely to ask for equality of opportunity. I agree with you. And I don't know if I respect academics. I mean, well, Nassim Taleb has a big problem with anybody who doesn't have skin in the game. And by definition, an academic with just a conceptual skin in the game doesn't have real skin in the game. I mean, I respect academics. You love like, academics. What are you talking about? You invite them on the show a fair amount. I, I respect academics when it comes to, you know, chemistry and, and biology. Yeah, well, you love, I mean, that is, you love these guys. I like, I like to talk to academics, but usually I like to debate them, not because yeah. I agree with them. But you like to talk to them and you know that they're smart and they're not just talking out of their ass. Boom, bats academics around like a cat on a ball. So respect may be the wrong word. I mean, it's, you know, respect has different, different connotations. I don't disrespect them, like hold them in contempt. But, but I do find that more and more and journalists, 
they don't know what the fuck they're talking about in terms of the real world. They just, they haven't lived in it. And more and more now, not only have they not lived in it, but their parents didn't live in it. They're the, they're the children of people who didn't live in it. We've talked about this. I mean, it used to be journalists had resumes where they used to be, um, you know, store owners or were in the military or, you know, very, they, they, were, they were tough people. And now they're just Harvard elites. And, and I mean, I can't remember the last time I spoke to an academic about the things that I deal with and they had anything but fairy tale notions about what it was really like to run a business. They have no. That's absolutely that. right. They don't I know. mean, I, I shouldn't, you know, just parrot that. I mean, you know, when, when I, I'm in business and who I hire at that has to be responsible for showing up on time and completing what's going, I don't have the uh, luxury of being politically correct in making my determination. I have to complete something. I can be politically correct all I want from inside of a, from a professorship with, um, you know, what's it called when they can't fire you? You know what I'm looking for. Tenure, tenure. Tenure, tenure. tenure. If you got tenure, I can sit in a leather chair and go, you know what I, no, did you see that article in the Times about that homeless village they put in that one room in the, in the, in the uber liberal enclave on the Upper West Side? And all of them ran out and said, whoa, whoa, not here. We didn't want to be liberal here. Yeah. Well, uh, wait, what would you say right before that about, um, about the professor and tenure? What, what were you saying right before that? I was, uh, well, I, I was saying that the, it's a luxury to generate politically correct notions if oh, you I remember. don't have skin in the game. So one of the things I've, I've more than once heard this, we're talking about like affirmative action or um, diversity and stuff like that. And they will say all the time, this is one of the stupidest things they say. And it goes like, well, when you have two equal candidates, you would give the nod to the, you know, the diversity pick. I'm like, when has there ever been two? Like, there's never, there's never, ever, not once in my entire life chosen between two equal candidates. That's right. Six to one, half dozen the other. So, like, what you have to do, well, what do I think is more important, the friendly one or the smart one? You know, like, I have to make a judgment. But two equal, this is, and they, and they put tremendous, they use this, this, this argument of, well, it should just be when two people are, all things being equal, two equal candidates, undergirds like 80% of this entire scheme that they're putting forth, you know? And it doesn't exist in real life. In and real also, life, go ahead. Also, no, I mean, what I'm worried about too is the naivete associated with not understanding sustainable business models. And I'll give you an example. The city of New York that's going to run a budget deficit as they raise taxes on the wealthy, wild crime goes up, and they incentivize people that have a choice to leave. 1% of that elite pay roughly 45% of all of the taxes in New York City. Crazy. It is an unsustainable model, and it is a negative reinforcement cycle if you drive those people out. And when I heard AOC talk, it's as though she's never run a business. Oh, she has no what she's talking about. But can, can I just clean up something I said? Because I want to make it very clear. It's not that I'm saying that the diversity pick is always, or, you know, it would be the bad pick. It's just to, for the record, it's, you know, we've had, we've had transgender managers. We've had black managers, black female managers, you know, many women managers. Not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that if you want me to start picking rather based than based on merit, where 
where merit, any color, sex, anything can be the better choice. I'm saying they have this thing like, well, if you find, if you find that you have only five, um, five males on the, uh, on, the, on the show, I'm not saying you need to put a woman on this show as a quota, but I'm saying that, you know, if you have two exactly equal comedians, you should many, put many the woman on. There's never two exactly equal, equal comedians. No, I'm not, I've never heard anybody make that argument with regard, at least to the comedy lineups. I've, I've, I've heard, heard the argument. I've heard the argument that we need more diversity on the show with it without getting into whether or not they're equal or they're not equal. Yeah, well, I mean, what's his name? Seth Simon came in with a whole uh, list of, of a breakdown of who was on the show and percentages, and he wanted to see the percentages change. I, I just, I generally hear people saying there's not enough. Yeah, well, and, and again, and again, we have plenty of uh, women on the show uh, uh, all the time. But, you know, go tell some other business owner that they should put out a less a less good product for their paying customers because you've decided that, you know, there's some social, like, fuck that. I, I got to, I have paying customers and they have the right to see the best show. And thank God we have the best comedians and there's plenty of women. But, but what, I mean, come on. It's almost I want more white people on the NBA. Right, right. Put them on there. Jackie Mason That's said right. it. Okay, I take it back. I want more Chinese people or there brown people. I want more Indians, more right. Indian people. You know, forget about, let's say that the white. I want to see more Indian and Asian people of color on the NBA. That's I right. don't care about you. I know you have to feel the winning team, but you have other, you have other things you have to worry about too. That's right. You have other things you have to worry about too. You, you know, you know how few Chinese basketball players there are? What the, f you guys are up to something NBA. You must be up to something. <laughs> Right? I mean, how, you tell me why there's no Chinese basketball it's players. It's so fucking true. It's such hypocritical bullshit. It's incredible. And they're all, and it, anytime I hear a notion delivered like that, it's somebody who's never had fucking skin in the game. You don't know what you're talking about. You can't run a business or a city on academic notions of how things should work if things were fair. It's, it's unsustainable. But this is what they won't give somebody like me. Dan wants to wrap it up. They won't give me this. They, I see myself, my business success, my business's success yes. is exactly as important to me as an NBA's team desire to win. Yes. I will not compromise one fucking inch on that. But liberal America doesn't see it that way. Well, they, they, they see me as some sub, blah, 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 some enemy, whatever it is. That's sports. We love, yeah, of course, the sports team has a right to win. Yes, yes. Yeah, you would, I mean, they'll look at, yeah, of course, the, of course you're going to put the fastest runner on the track and field the Olympics. Like, that's sports. But you have other things you need to consider. No, I have to win. This is how I feed my family. This is what I'm spending my life doing. Like, I'm going to die. What, what, what is it? I spend my life, this is it. I'm spending my time doing it, and I'm going to do it as best as I possibly can. And that means having the best goddamn show I can. And if, and if I'm being racist or sexist, by all means, you know, the law can come in and punish me because it's illegal to do that stuff. But if I'm not, you know, that's it. But it's also, even if we wanted to, even if your inclination was to just choose the lineup based on sex or race, what would happen is, let me explain this to everybody who's never been in business. You'd go out of business and then it wouldn't matter what you wanted after that because somebody who didn't have a bullshit notion of how things work 
would would sell more tickets than you, <laughs> and they would they would draw from your public anyway. You get the point. And uh, and and the other irony is we've talked about this too that they're also full of shit because in the end there's no we, I don't know of a more diverse place than the places that I've been running for years. The, it's incredibly wow, diverse. Incredibly <laughs> diverse. While like if as I won't say the name out loud, but I talk about it. But you go to like the wedding of one of our wokest comedians. The only person of color you'll see is the person serving drinks and my wife. That's right. <laughs> and my wife. Like, they, 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 they live in totally white worlds. You've seen this over and over and over again. They, people of color are something they read about in books. You're a, you couldn't be more right. And, and, and right. I, Stop, you don't have to keep telling him he's right all the time. I know, but he's, he's the voice of reason. Don't tell him that either. He doesn't. He certainly does not need to hear that. <laughs> we need his voice on a national level. Well, I don't know about that. Anyway, um, you hear that? You hear that? Come here. Right, this, is my this is my beautiful son. Look at him. He's, look Manny, how handsome he's getting. Manny, your father. Your father was a great man, and like Moses and uh, and and Abe Lincoln before him, he spoke the truth. He couldn't lie. What's that? But you mean like Abe Lincoln? You mean like Your father was a great man, like, like an Abe Lincoln. You mean like Abraham Lincoln? Yes, yes exactly. Now, you like that. Looking. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. So, uh, podcast at ComedyCellar.com for comments, suggestions, queries, what compliments. About? About what are you? Oh, I'll tell you this. Can I tell you about? So my kids, my daughter, you know, she comes home. She learned all of last year. She learned all about Sonia Sotomayor. She learned all about Ruth Bader Ginsburg last year before she died. Okay, but she died now. That's what I said. Did you ever? Did anybody ever teach you about Clarence Thomas? No. I say, how petty are they? If you, I invite everybody listening. Anybody who's still listening, Google Clarence Thomas and read the Wikipedia page about his life. This man grew up in a shack. They moved. So the first place that had indoor plumbing, he barely spoke, he spoke some like, um, wasn't Patois, but some sort of dialect like that. He, was, wasn't, he realized his English wasn't good. He went back to learn better English. He is an American success story. I, you agree with his politics, disagree with his politics. You would think they would, they would hold him up as an example. No, 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 because he's not a reflexive liberal, no. Thomas no, Sowell is another name. that's one. why. Oh, no, Harry, you know. I mean, at least I listen to NPR. I have not heard one black conservative. I, I, I saw, I read, it was like on Fox or a conservative site. It was a black attorney saying Black Lives Matter have a legitimate, um, and he outlined the argument. And then he said, I have heard nothing about, um, um, uh, what's it, single parents, fatherless homes. He goes, if Black Lives Matter cared that deeply about the black community, they would also involve a number of personal responsibility aspects. Okay, but Doug, Doug, be careful. not just blaming on racism. Yeah, because I'm not, I'm not trying to, that, that really wasn't where I wanted to go in terms of, you know, I'm not criticizing the, I'm not talking about. I'm just talking about a black person with yeah. an alternate point of view. That's right. What I'm saying is that, when when Clarence Thomas dies, yes. I guarantee you, my kids will not be coming home learning about the fact that he's an American success story of color. No less, probably more significant, faced more headwinds, broke more molds than Ruth Bader Ginsburg did. 
simply because they don't agree with his politics. Yes, and that's what Thomas saw, and that's what this black attorney was writing about. It's so upsetting to me. And I'm yeah. telling you that if, if I were in charge of the schools, I would never, I would, I would go out of my way to make sure that I wasn't petty that way. I would make it say, well, yeah, of course, this is an amazing biography Clarence Thomas had. Of course we should teach our kids about it. They're too young to understand liberal and conservative Supreme Court stuff. Carry out on them to understand that stuff. I'm saying that, <laughs> but what they should know about is that a poor black child who grew up in Mississippi was appointed to the Supreme Court. Thomas Sowell wrote Basic Economics, was educated at Harvard, grew up in Harlem. Yeah. And when his family moved into the projects, they were proud because back then there were some sort of requirements associated with gaining entry. There should be a voice for black people that also have an opinion that we don't hear on NPR and CNN and MSNBC. Well, our friend who actually wrote a beautiful uh, love letter to... Um Thomas Sowell, you can look at our, our friend um, Coleman Hughes, will be on the Bill Maher show this Friday night. Coleman's right. at the big Bill. time. There he is. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Clarence Thomas is from Georgia, not Mississippi. And I, now we have to go. Dan um, has, uh, has to go. I, I, have, I have to read Harry Potter. You know, we've been into, you know, uh, I think it's, 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 it's uh, long enough. It's been long enough. Yeah. You're right. Uh, um, podcast at ComedySelly.com for, as I said, questions, comments, suggestions, constructive criticism, salutations, stock tips, what have you. I also want to tell everybody, I'm reading The Stand by Stephen King, which is a pandemic novel. Yeah. It is pretty damn good. <laughs> it is good. Yeah, you're right, you? and okay. Stand by Stephen King, available where books are sold. We'll see you next time. Good night, Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye.